Really glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. The answer is yes, it's always like this. People just talk and tell they want to stop, and that's kind of the way it goes. But Hey, buddy. Glad to see you. Really glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. want to thank you for taking the risk today to, to come out to New Life. Um, we've got a lot of things going on. Morning, Susie. I'm trying to get it's no problem. We've got lots of things going on in our midst um, with school starting and uh, kids' programs going and all kinds of things going on. You can check the bulletin for some of that or find somebody afterwards. They'll lead you in the right direction if you've got questions. Um, if you're visiting with us today, um, we are a little bit different kind of a church, um, and that can be good, um, I think. We, uh, we are really working hard around here at, um, at following Jesus without being religious. Um, you'll hear a little bit about that today. And um, we're, we're really working hard at just being real. And so you'll see it on the cover of our bulletin, real life, real love, real people. You'll find hypocrites in the place. You'll find messed up people. It's who we are. Um, and uh, we're trying to do better every day. But what we want to be is real. And um, so what we've got is a, a, a sermon series that I've been going through um, that kind of helps us get a broad picture and a big picture of what God wants from us, really, what he's, what he's after from us. And if you're visiting with us or if you're kind of kicking the tires on the whole God thing and you're not sure what you believe, and I, I want you to know you're in the right place, for one thing. Um, all of us, and I, I, I have not been gifted with the gift of faith, as I've said a lot around here. Um, and uh, so my faith goes up and down, as all of us do, and we're just real honest about how that works. But the truth is, God can handle all those questions. Um, he's not scared of those questions. They don't offend him. Um, and as we dig for truth and pursue truth together, the big thing we want to get across is just to get through all of the man-made rules, all of the, th- the things that we have created ourselves, and look at what God has to say about what he wants from our lives and how to get on the right track to peace, hope, joy, the things that you really want in your life. I was uh, going through Sam's Club this week. Um, every now and then, I don't know if you're like me, but I... I, I, they used to call this window shopping. Now you don't actually go look in the windows. But I, sometimes I like to go to Sam's Club and look at the TVs, knowing that there's no way I'm going to buy one. It's just fun to look, you know. And then, but the problem is you, you're, you get this little heartache, you know. Oh, what if that was in my living room, you know. And I know I shouldn't have that, but I, I do. And I walk around the corner, and there's a little boy standing there. And he's looking at a 60-inch LED that's about this thick. And he is looking at it like it, it, it just... It's like this angelic beam is coming down from heaven on this TV. And he's looking at it, and he says, Mom. And he can't even, he just goes, Mom. And he points at the TV. And she goes, Honey, we couldn't afford that if we sold our house. And he said, Mom, that's everything I've always wanted. (laughs) He's about eight years old, and I thought, Man, it, it starts early, doesn't it? It starts early that we point at things and go, that's everything I always wanted. But when we get it, my thought is I looked at this eight-year-old little boy and thought, he'll turn 17 or 18, he'll get, find enough money, he'll scrape together, he'll buy it, or a car, or something else, that he has pointed at and said, that's everything I've always wanted. But the problem is, when you point at something on the earth, a TV, a woman, a man, a car, a house, a job, a 401k, a retirement plan, and you say that's everything I've always wanted, you are setting yourself up 
for a disappointment that's been happening since the beginning of time. Now, aren't you glad you came today? Isn't that optimistic? <laughs> no, I, I want to be real clear about this, that Jesus was very clear. Things are good. TVs are great. But if you look at them, point at them and say, that's everything I've always wanted, you are setting yourself up for something that is deeply, deeply disappointing. And you know exactly what I mean. Some of you brought that disappointment in with you today. And what I've been praying for you is that you would get today, that you would walk out of this place with perspective on your life. Not so you go home and throw your TV away. That's not what I'm talking about. So that you go home and you throw that feeling away. That all of my hope, all of my joy, all of my dreams reside in that. Because it's not the way God intended us for, for us to live our life. And if you're living that way today, you're missing out. And that's why I got up this morning. Because I believe I know what it is, and it's not me. Um, and if you were backstage with me before we got on, you know that what I prayed was that I wouldn't screw this up because God has said something really good today, and if I'm not careful, my own messed up life will screw up what he wants to say. So what I want to do before we get started, we do this every week. If you're visiting with us, we, we just ask God for a deep breath. You'll see it on our bulletin. Um, and we, we use that phrase a lot to say, God, we need... Because when you take a deep breath, you, there's a lot of good things that happen, even physically, but when you take this deep breath, you just get some perspective. Okay, I can make it. Okay, I can do it. Okay, God, speak into my life. So if you're visiting with us, if you're kind of kicking the tires on the whole Jesus thing, trying to decide what you believe, you're in the right place. Um, and this is a great opportunity. You're going to sit here for the next half hour anyway, probably. So you might as well listen, might as well see what God could do um, with the message today. So let's pray together, get a little moment of peace, and then uh, ask him to speak into our lives. God, we're just still today, just still right here. We hold still so that we can hear your voice. We know that if you wanted to, you could speak loud enough to drown out everything else in our lives, but you've chosen to be a still, small voice, which means that we have to quiet the other things. So we choose to right now. We choose to quiet the pain. We choose to quiet the frustration that comes with putting our hope in things that let us down. God, right now we choose to suspend for a moment our guilt, our disbelief. We pray with an open mind today, God, that you would speak something into our lives. I've never heard your audible voice. I kind of like it that way. It kind of would scare me, I think. But constantly, I feel a move towards what's right. Would you make that unmistakable in us today? If you want to speak audibly, audibly, do it in this place today. I'm praying that, God, you would use my voice, that you would say something today in this next half hour that is more important than anything we can hear on the news, better than Dr. Phil's advice and Oprah's latest book more lasting than anything man can come up with, a word from the Creator. Would you give it to us today in your Son's name? Amen. Well, this sermon series is called Connected because what we believe is this is what, in the long run, God really wants from us. 
What he wants from us is not to, to, to be obedient. Did you know that? That's not the number one thing that God wants from us. This, this happens all over America. This happens all over the world. When somebody mentions the word God, the very first thought is, uh-oh, sit up straight. And the truth is, that's not the way Jesus taught, taught to think about God. That's not the way the Bible talks to think about God. What he wants from us most is not just obedience. It's connection. And here's the thing that's so amazing um, about God is that he has said from the beginning, and we've messed this up over and over, and especially churches and preachers have messed this up, that what he's most concerned with um, is not about you being good so that you can be in. It's being in, and it'll lead to being who you've always wanted to be. And this is the promise. And so we've been studying this. And last week, if you weren't with us, um, you can go online. Uh, we've got a lot of people going online listening to the sermons. They're all out there. Um, ParagonNewLifeCC.com. It's on our bulletin um, if you, if you want to go out to that website and listen to last week's sermon. Here's a quick recap, though, because it kind of builds on what we're doing this week. Um, basically, what we realized last week is that God wants us, Jesus wants us to follow him. He wants us to, to take the steps that he took in life. And the reason of that, and if, you, if you've been around church, it probably sounds very religious and very churchy to say, follow Jesus. Um, and th- the reason it does is because we've kind of made it um, about obedience. When what Jesus said is, he, he asked people to follow him and say, watch this. Do what I do. Just, just step where I step. And when you do, it will lead you to a different kind of a place in your life. And it, it is absolutely true. Listen to this. He says this, we figured this out last week, that being a sinner, being someone who is messed up, being someone who is lost, doesn't disqualify you from following him. Did you know that? In fact, we said it's a prerequisite. (laughs) Everything we read in the Bible is not people that Jesus went to and said, you know what, if you go and you get all your junk right, you quit smoking, you quit doing that addiction thing, you quit, don't stop seeing her because she's a mess, and you stop doing this, and you stop doing that, and you stop doing that, then you come follow me. That's not the way Jesus said it. See, that's a very religious thing to say, and Jesus was not religious. It's a very church thing to say. See, what religion says is change, and you can join us. And what Jesus says with is join us, and you will change. Now, what I prayed for you this morning, full disclosure, I pray that some of you would hear that for the first time today. It's, some of you maybe have, have heard it, but not deeply. And it will change the way you treat the people in around you that you don't agree with. It'll tra- change the way you treat everyone in your life, won't it? If you realize that this is what Jesus asked for us, is join us and you will change. Jesus' invitation is, is, uh, is not just for believers. Did you know that? If you're here today and you go, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in all this stuff, then I, I want you to know you're not, you're not exempt from following Jesus. Jesus says this, he, he walks into people's lives who have never heard of him, who have never, never really in, in any way um, have, have believed necessarily in him, and he gives them some information about him in some way, and then he says, follow me. And it actually is the first step for many people. And what we've said in the church for a long time is, um, first I have to believe. I have to, I, have to, I have to start this in my life. And once I believe, then I can start following Jesus. But that's not the way the plan works throughout the Bible. Jesus' invitation is not a religious one. And, and so what we have said around here is, if, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a very 
religious place where we start asking each other and ourselves questions like this. My life's a mess, so have I gone to church today? Have I gone to church this week? Have I done the right things this week? Have I... And if you've been a Christian for a while, if you follow Jesus, there was this, this long-standing notion that if you didn't have quiet time every day, if you didn't have a Bible study every day, you were somehow um, reduced on God's level of spiritualness somehow. And if you've been following Jesus for a while, you know that there's this guilt that comes with if you don't do this, the right things. And, and, and what Jesus says is this, that what he wants us to ask him most is just, am I following? Am I following? And so we're going to talk about what that means. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we're going to dig right into this today. Um, this is a story written by a man named Matthew um, of the life of Jesus. And one of the cool things about the Bible, if you've never read the Bible or never really given it that much thought, is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we call the four Gospels, they're the life of Jesus. They tell the story of the life of Jesus from four different perspectives. And there are very few historical people, even if you believe Jesus isn't the real son of God, he was just a good guy, um, there, there are very few historical perspectives from four different people that lived that long ago about one person. And it gives us this kind of a well-rounded picture of the life of Jesus. Um, and uh, Matthew is one of those guys. If you were here last week, you know, we, we kind of studied Matthew's following. Matthew was a tax collector who was the armpit of society at that point, and everybody couldn't stand him. In fact, tax collectors had to have their own group of people to hang out with because nobody else would hang out with them. They were the worst of the worst in society. Um, and, uh, and so Matthew was one of those guys, and the disciples were following Jesus, and they were thinking like, like Christians now think sometimes, that we've got to go find the good people and have them join us. And Jesus didn't think like that. And he went up to Matthew and this tax collector that nobody would talk to. And the disciples are going, what is Jesus doing? And he goes, hey, you, Matthew, well, who, me? Yeah, you, follow me, follow me. And we found out last week that Jesus did and, not, and Matthew did. And not only that, Jesus said, Matthew, I'm going to your house for dinner. And then all the rest of the tax collectors and stuff, Jesus started hanging out with them. The religious people said, hey, why is Jesus hanging out with these messed up people? And and Jesus said, hey, go figure out what this means, that God desires this, that he wants people who are broken to come to him. So it was a really cool thing. Matthew is that guy, and he writes from a, a perspective that is much different than the other four gospel writers. And so we're, we're going to look at this story um, of following Jesus from two different perspectives. The first one is from Matthew, and when I was a kid, high school and in college especially, um, this piece of scripture really confused me. It actually broke my faith a little bit. Um, I didn't understand it, the way it was preached was, uh, was a little hard for me to get my brain around, and I was just asked to accept it. And I, I want to tell you, kind of juxtapose it to Luke's version this morning, but here it is, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. And now, don't think lake, don't think pond. This is a sea. You can actually visit it today. It's a big mountains behind it. It's a long way across. And Jesus is walking beside the sea. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, two brothers, and they were casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Pretty descript. Jesus, according to Matthew, Jesus says to them, now, the way I read this story, Jesus has never met these guys. He's never talked to these guys. He doesn't know these guys. He just says, come follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, if that were to happen to me, I'm putting myself in a real-life situation, not Disneyland Bible fairy tale, okay? Real-life situation. If I'm fishing, which I love to do, and I'm on the lake, and somebody comes to me and says, hey, you and your brother, 
my brother's a great fisherman. We could be out on the bass boat fishing together. If somebody came walking to me next to the water and said, you, stop what you're doing and come follow me. Ain't no way. There's no reason to. And there was a time in my life where preacher told me, not me personally, but I felt like he did. It was a whole group of people. And he said, this is what you need to do. Don't ask questions. Don't think. Just follow. And it didn't resonate well with me then. His, his uh, comment was, I'll never forget this. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Sounds really good. Sounds like a preacher thing to say, doesn't it? But you know what my response was? I guess he's not Lord at all, because I'm not following like that. I mean, really, practically, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't just jump into something because I'm emotional. I'm not going to do that. Look at the story even gets worse. These guys just, once they, they just left their nets. They, the thing, they left their nets. This is bigger than just they were out fishing like my brother and I do on the weekends. This is their life. This is their livelihood, and they just dropped their nets? That's just weird. That's just weird. Now, go on. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James of Zebedee and his brother John. Zebedee is his dad. They were in a boat, another boat, there uh, with their father preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat, and their father and followed him. This is even a worse story. These guys, whose dad owns the business, they're working for the family business, they just go, hey, dad, we're going to go follow the guy in the sandals on the beach. Dad goes, where? I don't know. We're just going to follow him. Good luck with the business. That doesn't sound like following to me. That doesn't sound like faith to me. That, doesn't, that sounds irresponsible. That sounds like a bad decision. And here's the problem. I was told that this is what God wants from me. With no information, not knowing anybody, not figuring out anything, not really knowing what it means, I'm supposed to lay everything down that I've built in my life. I'm supposed to lay everything down that's important to me and just follow a guy in sandals. Now, Good news. There's another writer telling the same story from his perspective. His name is Luke. And in Luke chapter 5, we get a, a little deeper part of the story. Now, what we find out about Matthew, when you read the Bible, what you find out about Matthew is that he's very emotional. Uh, Matthew was, as you know, was, had this dramatic conversion experience. He, he was a tax collector, he was the armpit of society, and Jesus chose him and said, follow me. And he did, and then he got to see all these people come to Jesus. He got to see miracle after miracle. And he tells stories like that. And you know, you have friends that tell stories like this, where they just tell you what happened, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And then uh, their, their thought to you and their comment to you maybe even is just, just believe me, just believe me. Matthew was a lot like that, and there was, he was speaking to a group of people um, that were big faith people. The Jewish people were big faith people, and so they didn't need really to, to go into the details. Well, I, I don't know if you're like me. If you're not, then you know, just bear with me, but I'm not a big faith guy. I'm trying. I'm working, and my faith gets bigger every day, but I constantly have questions, and when I was in high school, they weren't welcomed, but what I realized is they really were here when Jesus was around. Not only were they welcome, they were part of the story. Luke, who was a doctor, who was very, very, now Luke and I resonate in a lot of ways, being a doctor is not one of those, um, but he was, he was a very smart man, he was very um, astute, and he was very, very calculated. And when he tells a story, he makes sure not to leave out in very important details, and so I want to tell the rest of the story. 
I want to fill in the details for those of you who are here today and to go, this thing doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been sitting in a pew. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been sitting somewhere. Maybe, maybe you're like me and like I was in high school and you just want to stand up and go, does anybody think this is ridiculous? I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. There was a time in my life where I thought following Jesus was for people who were desperate. The opiate of the masses was what I like to say when I was thinking I was smart. The drug for people who don't want to deal with life. For dumb people who don't care about the facts. I don't believe that anymore. In fact, I'm going to tell you why. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the sea, the lake of Gennesaret, now that's the same place, it's another name for that sea, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Well, that's an important piece of information. Jesus wasn't just walking along the water like Matthew said. I mean, Matthew didn't, he didn't, he's not contradicting Matthew. He's just filling in some details. He said that Jesus wasn't just walking along the water by himself. That's the picture I had when I first read that. Jesus was walking along the water and backing up to the water with crowds of people while Jesus was teaching them. And when Jesus taught, and this is what I prayed this morning this would happen to me, and if it does, it's a supernatural thing because it's, it's only from God. Jesus did this incredible thing when he talked to people. He could give information and make you want to apply it to your life at the same time. Jesus was amazing at this. Incredible. He would tell a story. It's part of the reason people followed him. He would tell, he would tell a, a truth about God, and then he would look around and he would point at something. He'd point at a mountain. He'd point at a fish in the water. He'd point at a bush, and he'd say, it's like that. And he would use this analogy, and when you walked away, it made you feel like, I, I've been missing something, and now I have better perspective on it. This is why people followed him. Now, Jesus has this big crowd of people around him that don't believe he's the Son of God yet, Okay? I need you to get this in your head because this is not the picture I had of the people that used to follow Jesus. I thought they were very pious people who understood the Trinity and understood who God was and who Jesus was. These are people who were resonating with the way a rabbi, a teacher, was talking about God. They were going, man, that makes sense to me. And there's something about this guy that gives me perspective on my life. See, the people who followed Jesus from the beginning weren't believers. They weren't believers. You know what they believed? I was hungry, and that guy made a whole bunch of food for all of us. You know what else they believed? My cousin was sick. I was there. He was so sick. He was dying, and Jesus healed him. That's all I know. I don't know if he's the son of God. I'm just following him. They're just checking it out. That's who these people are. And as Jesus teaches them, people crowd around. This happened every time Jesus taught. When he would teach, people would crowd around, and they would listen. And he didn't have a little headset like this. And um, I just read a little bit about the way voices, vocal cords worked during that day. They grew and grew and grew for the rabbis. And some of the vocal cords, you know, people, they're just guessing. But these vocal cords in Jesus were probably big and strong and heavy because he had to yell most of his life. And at some point, even his big, strong vocal cords, he would get up to the lake, to the edge of the lake, and he was trying to back up so he could hear, people could hear him. And people were in the back, and he'd see people jumping, and, know, and they're like, what did he say? And they're talking to people. So Jesus looks around, and he did this a lot. He looks around about how he could get kind of away from them so they could see him. And if he can get next to a body of water, if you've ever been on the water and you, you've got a radio on or you're talking, you know how it echoes and you can hear so well and it amplifies the sound. So he's, he did this a lot. So 
Luke is giving us this picture of Jesus teaching. While he's teaching, these guys who do this for a living are out fishing. Now, they're, they're probably not out actually fishing um, at that point. They're actually finishing up their fishing. Because, and they still do this today um, in the Sea of Galilee. When they fish, this is very interesting, at least to me, I love fishing. Um, when they fish in the Sea of Galilee, it's such a deep lake, especially if you're going to fish with nets. You don't fish during the daytime because it gets really hot and the fish all go deep. And you can't get your nets down deep enough. There's some places in the Sea of Galilee that are like 150 feet deep. You can't get your nets down that deep, so you're not going to catch any fish. So they wait until dark, and everybody knew that. They wait until dark um, to, to fish, and you fish all night. And when the fish come up, the water cools down, and the fish come up to the surface to feed, and you, you catch them in your nets then. So that's what they would have done. Then as the sun comes up, probably when Jesus was teaching, as the sun comes up, you, you realize the sun's coming up, the fish are going deep, so you begin to clean your nets. You pull them up, and you clean them, and that's what these guys are doing. And Luke tells us all this. Look at this. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the, by the fishermen. So they were kind of, they were up banked, like you do with your boats, and they were working with their nets and washing their nets. I know we're in a lot of detail, but you need, I want you to get this. He got into one of the boats, Jesus, asked one of the guys, I'm going to get in your boat, there's a lot of people here. He got in one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Jesus is really smart, this is what he did. He'd get in a boat when there's a lot of people, and he'd put out a little bit from shore so people could see him, and so the water would help reflect the sound and people could hear him. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Has he asked Peter to follow him yet, according to Luke? Nope. Peter's cleaning his nets. He's in the boat with Jesus. He's an innocent bystander. He wasn't following Jesus. He's just in the boat. Jesus asked, can I borrow your boat? Sure. He gets in. They go out to shore. Peter's still cleaning the nets, and he's listening to information about Jesus and about God. It's, it's changing him. And I, I want to say something very important. If you're, if you're visiting with us today or maybe you're asleep, wake up just for a second. You can go right back to sleep in a minute. But I want you to hear this. Next slide. I want you to hear this. Following Jesus always begins with information. Following Jesus begins with information. If you have gone to a church or you listen to a preacher or you read a book that says what God wants from you is blind faith, throw it away, walk out. It's not what God wants and it's dangerous. Blind faith is not what God is asking. Never was. If you've gone to a church and I've talked to some of you who have been to churches like this where they don't, they don't welcome questions. I'm sorry, you can't, you can't ask questions here. You need to go, no thanks. Because there's no question that's too big for God. And, and following Jesus starts with questions. It starts with information. It starts with hearing the word. Listen, look what Romans says. How then... How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. My feet are pretty ugly, but I think it means something different. Consequently, verse 17, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is, is heard through the word about Christ. If you're here today and you have that nagging feeling that everybody around you is being baptized or that everybody's getting God and you don't get it, 
It doesn't just hit you like a ton of bricks. You just don't emotionally get it. Then I want you to know you're, follow, you're, you're on the right path. Just keep digging. Because information is the beginning, and it always is. That's why we're doing Bible studies on Wednesday night. Bible study here, 5.30 Wednesday night. We're studying the book of Revelation. I'm leading it, kind of, trying. It's crazy. It's fun. It's amazing. It's getting us closer to Jesus because information gets us closer to Jesus if we apply it. But it starts with information. Next slide. So here's the, here, as we keep going. So we've got Jesus in a boat out on a lake. Peter and the dudes, the guys, and, 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 and they're fishing with their, they're, they're just cleaning up their nets. They've not caught anything all night. They're mad. You know how that feels when you're fishing. You're mad. You haven't caught anything. You're just cleaning your stuff and you're getting ready to load up. Here's what happens next. When he had finished speaking, so Jesus is done. The people are kind of dissipating. Jesus says to Simon, hey, put out into deep water. I figure Simon's probably rowing back to shore right now to drop Jesus off and get this guy. You know, he's hearing the word of Jesus, and every time anybody hears Jesus, they, they're kind of staggering, so he, he's probably kind of going to shore with Jesus. And Jesus goes, hey, Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter's probably going, hey, can you not see? I just finished cleaning this thing. I got the beer cans out, and I got all the stuff out. I'm, I'm folding this thing up. I'm cleaning it up. I'm, I'm cleaning up my nets. I'm clean. I'm not going back out. And plus, my reputation is important to my business. And everybody's standing on the bank right now, all those people who are following you and are dissipating a little bit, they all know that you don't catch fish when the sun's out. So I'll just look like an idiot. No, my business is going to suffer if I go try to go fishing right now. Plus, Jesus, don't offend me. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I know this isn't the right time to fish, and I've fished all night. Tell me to drop my net into deep water. But this is so big. This is such an important part of the story. He says this, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Peter answered, master. Now, what master means at that time, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher, and if you were anybody in society who, who was respectful at all, you would call a teacher master. It's like calling my dad was a teacher his whole life. I still run into people all the time that call him Mr. Mitchell instead of Ken. They, they're in their 40s and 50s, and they're still calling him Mr. Mitchell. It's a sign of respect. So he's basically calling Mr. Jesus, Master Jesus, Jedi Jesus, whatever it is, teacher, teacher. So he's saying, teacher, we've worked hard all night. And this is kind of his polite way of saying I've been there. I know what I'm doing. We've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but listen to this. But because you say so. But because you say so. Because I have sat here in my boat and listened to things that I've never heard before. Because all of a sudden, I get a little bit of perspective. I get like maybe there's something different in life and there's more to life. But because you say so, I'll do it. I love that. I'll let down, I will let down the nets. When they let down the nets, they cut such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. So I I want you to make sure you get this picture in your head. This is not a guy in sandals walking on the shore and saying, hey, you two that have never known me, never met me, never heard anything about me, you follow me, and these amazing men of faith just drop everything they've ever done and follow this guy. That's not the story. 
That's not the whole story. The whole story is that they heard Jesus. They got to hear information about him. They got to sit and listen while they were cleaning their nets, while they were doing something. Many of you are like that, and you come to me and apologize afterwards. Hey, if you see me looking down, and it's, I'm doodling, and it's not that I'm paying attention. That's just the way I work, and some of you are like that. Now, I don't buy the one where I, just, I listen better when I'm asleep. I don't buy that one, okay? <laughs> But, but we just do that. Some of us, and Peter's he's working and he's listening and he's moved by Jesus. And it's not this huge faith of Peter that makes him follow Jesus. It's listening, getting information from Jesus, and then that information leading him to go, all right, there's a little bit in me that really believes you. There's a little bit in me that wants what you're saying. So if you say so, I'll do something I've done thousands of times, but I'll do it your way. So the boat begins to sink. Check this out. Next slide. Jesus asked Peter to do something that he's done thousands of times before, but to do it Jesus' way, to do it differently. Okay, I'm going to just go ahead and apply this for you right now if you're not doing this for your own life. Basically, Peter had no idea what hung in the balance that day. He had no idea of what hung in the balance of him taking Jesus fishing. See, right now, I've been praying for you all morning that Jesus is asking you to take him fishing. Now, now husbands are going to go home and say, preacher said I could go fishing today. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that you do every day. The things that you continue to do day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. I'm good at this. It's what I've done my whole life. God, don't try to tell me how to live my life. I'm I'm an expert at this. Jesus goes, get some information, dig a little bit, come to church, sit a little bit, listen a little bit, and then your next step in following me is just do something that you've done a thousand times and do it a little bit differently. In the morning, when you get up and you go through that routine where you shower, hopefully, you brush your teeth, you go, hopefully, you eat your... You eat your breakfast, you get your coffee, you stop at that same place, you go, Jesus goes, just just this one time, just this one week, get up a little half hour earlier, spend a little bit of time reading, a little bit of time praying, just just try it my way this this one week. Maybe it's something else in your life. Here's what I know. I was really trying to put a whole list of what this could be together, and what I realized is, you know, right now, if you're listening to this sermon, you know. If you're sitting in the pews, if you're listening online right now, you know what I'm talking about. This is inside us somewhere. You're going, boy, I really need to quit that. I really need to start that. I really need to do that differently. The way that people follow Jesus, and if you're just getting started with this, or maybe you've been pretending to follow Jesus for a long time and you haven't really been, this is the way people get started. You listen you make a decision to change the way you live your life, and it usually starts in a very small way, something you've done thousands of times doing it differently. Peter had no idea. He thought he was just taking a, a teacher fishing. He had no idea what hung in the balance. Can you imagine? Jesus could do this at any time while he was on earth. He didn't do it. Must be a good reason for it. But he could have, like, pulled a screen down out of midair and shown a video clip, you know, and said, hey, Peter, if you take me fishing right now, here's what it will lead to. It will lead to, next slide, This, St. Peter's Basilica. Peter, you see that? 
Peter's going, I still am weirded out by the video thing. What is video? You know, Jesus goes, you see this? St. Peter's Basilica. If you take me fishing right now, they're going to build a tomb for you. It's going to take them 118 years to make it. But they're going to build a tomb for you because of the way you've represented God and the way you've followed me. If you just take me fishing. He said, he could have said this, next slide. He said, check this out. That's the inside. It's full of gold. It's full of stuff. Look at all those people. There's pews in there. And Peter goes, pews? What's a pew? Uh, You'll find out, you know. He goes, he could have said, Peter, you won't believe the things that are in the balance. Maybe he would have said this. Next slide. There's this church in the cornfield in Paragon. You're going to start that kind of a thing. Without you, this may not have existed. I might have to use somebody else. People are going to live their lives together. They're going to do something different than the rest of the crowd. They're going to love each other differently. They're going to to do life together. And it's all going to be because of you took me fishing. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. He just said, trust me. Just take some of the things I've said, throw it out into deep water. See, you don't know what hangs in the balance today. You're sitting in the pew and you're trying to decide, is this just another one of those moments that I feel emotional? I had a tough week. I'm a little tired. Is this just a good entertainment for me? Or am I going to take what I'm hearing and am I going to apply it to my life? If you do this today, you don't know what hangs in the balance. You don't know what hangs in the balance. I, I thought about this. I was praying for you this morning. I was going through this sermon, and I thought, I'm going to take some next steps, too, with this whole thing. And I don't know what hangs in the balance. And then I hear footsteps coming down the stairs. And I realize I do kind of know what hangs in the balance. Both my grandfathers were first-generation Christians, first-generation followers of Jesus. Both of them became preachers. Both of them had a moment in their life where they said, that, that guy, that story, that information hits my life and my heart in a different way, and I want that. They could have walked out of that place wherever they were at that time, walked away. They didn't even realize what hung in the balance. You know what hung in the balance? Me standing on this stage, for one thing. My kids praying to their creator of the universe every evening, hung in the balance of my grandfather's decision. And I'm telling you right now, whatever you're thinking right now, whether it's to ignore this or to write something down that has to change in you, one little thing that you've done a thousand times that you can change this week, that you can try God's way, that you can try Jesus' way, just one thing, you don't know what hangs in the balance of that. For Peter, it was... The church. Okay, I'm getting there. Story's not over. When Simon Peter saw this, when he saw the nets filling up, it wasn't about fishing anymore. You'd think a fisherman, when he gets his boat so full of fish that it starts to sink, that he would be really excited about all these fish. I don't have to work. I don't have to, oh, it's going to be amazing. We've got to come up with some sort of refrigeration system for this thing because there's no way we can sell all these things. I don't know what he would have been really thinking, but in this moment, he wasn't thinking about fish. He was thinking, he said this, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he didn't call him sir. He didn't call him mister. He fell at Jesus' knees and he says, Go away from me, Lord. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Here's what happens. There is some point in your life where if you 
cast out into deep waters. If you just try something you've done a thousand times and you try it God's way, where it hits you all at one moment, the perspective on life, that you've missed it, that you've been missing the point, and that you've got the point all of a sudden. And when you do, it makes you realize who you are. It makes you realize how broken and how far from who you want to be that you are. And it makes you realize who God is. I'm praying for that for you this week. That's what happened with Peter. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, he could have said, I told you all. He said, who's the carpenter now, baby? He didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. We can talk about what all that means later. And I don't believe for a moment that Peter knew what it meant completely. What do you mean I'm going to fish for people? I just got good at this fishing thing. Did you see it? Fishing for fish just got good. Why am I going to switch to people? He didn't say that. I don't think he completely believed and he completely understood. But what he realized was when I do things God's way, things happen. Jesus said, they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and followed him. And you would have too. Not because of their big faith. Yeah, it takes faith. Not because they were amazing people. Yeah, they became amazing people. But because they listened to the Word of God and they chose to take the next step. So here's what it all means. This is why Peter, James, and John followed Jesus. It's not because they decided just with this huge faith to follow this, blind, this guy blindly that they saw on the, on the bank. They, they followed him because they listened. They heard. They followed him because they were inconvenienced by him. At one point... They had to give up their boat. They'd been up all night. Yeah, Jesus, take the boat. They followed him because they trusted him and did something they had done a thousand times but did it a different way. And they followed him because they were ready to leave their nets and spend the rest of their lives giving it to him. So here's what, here's what you take away from this today. Band, you guys can come up. I'll get through this quick. Today, I'd like you to kind of take a look at this and see where you are. Maybe some of you are at the sit and listen stage. You're just going to work on your nets. You're going to doodle on your page. You're going to come to church. You're going to kind of pretend that you're not listening or that you just came because your wife drug you. You're in the sit and listen stage. And for some of you, you're exactly where you need to be. Just listen. And if I do my job, and that is get out of the way of God, and he, he does his thing, which is speak into our lives, and you listen, it will change you. It will move you to the next stage of following him. And that next stage is being alone in the boat with Jesus. And this is where Jesus looked over at Peter and he's like, hey, um, can I borrow your boat? Peter's like, I'm tired. I just cleaned my net. I've been up all night. Got to go back and do it again tomorrow. I didn't catch any fish. I got to go explain to everybody I don't have any food. And Jesus says, can I borrow your boat? Yeah. After he heard him a little bit, yeah, you can borrow my boat. He inconvenienced him. And I'm going to ask some of you who have been sitting and listening for a while to be inconvenienced just a little bit by Jesus. Take the next step. Be alone in the boat with Jesus. Jesus is going, can I borrow a little of your time? 
borrow a half hour for you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the next few weeks? Half hour a day. Hey, can I, can I borrow a little of your time to help with the kids on Sunday mornings? Can I borrow just a little bit of your time? And as you begin to do that, you'll be ready to listen to Jesus when he says, hey, take me fishing. Hey, do something you've done thousand times before, but do it differently. This happened for me when I, I was paying my bills. I've done it a thousand times. I was young in ministry, and I realized that I had a huge debt that I couldn't pay, and it was just getting worse, and I couldn't pay all my bills, and I called my dad. It was an embarrassing time for me. I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I'm a mess. And he came over, and he looked at my bills, and it took him about an hour. He looked at all my bills, and he wrote down all this stuff, and I thought, oh, yes, he's fixing it. Dad's fixing it. Thanks, Dad is a hero. He pushed it all back, and he goes, well, you're a mess. <laughs> That's what I told you. It took you an hour to figure that out. And he said, I'm going to ask you to do something I'm going to ask you to do something different when you pay your bills. I've paid my bills a thousand times. Apparently not as many as I should have. Dad says, before you pay your bills, I want you to give God your best. I want you to give him, out of your paycheck, 10%. Just the first 10%. Don't wait until it's all done. 10%. I'm not asking you to give your money today. I'm just saying this was my experience. I said, Dad, you're an idiot. 10% of my check would pay half my bills here. For some of my bills, at least. That's irresponsible. And Dad said, no, I'm just, just going to ask you to do something you've done a thousand times. Just do it God's way. Just try it God's way. But, Dad, you don't understand. i got to pay the... You want to go fishing? You want to go fishing with Jesus? Do it his way. But, Jesus, you don't understand. I've been fishing all night. There's nothing in the deep water. I can put the fish wherever I want to. Jesus, there's no money in my banking. I can put the money wherever I want it to be. I don't know what it is for you. Usually, when, when, you say, when Jesus asks you to take him fishing, when, when he says do something different, it usually involves a relationship that you've got, it involves your money, or it involves your occupation. One of those three things. It doesn't always, but that's a good place to start. And then finally, some of you have been doing those things. You've been every now and then trying it. Usually when you're desperate, You'll try it God's way, and it works. And you've been playing this little game with God, and, and we all do it. You've been playing this game with God. We go, all right, God, I'm going to go fishing on this end, but I'm keeping this. I'm going to do it your way here, but not with my money. I'm going to do it your way over here, but I'm not going to do it that way with my relationship. Because if you've seen her, she's just hot, and I can't break up with her. And she's, this isn't working, but I know. And, and God, I'm going to do it your way here, but I'm not going to do it your way here. And some of you need to look God in the face and say, I'm ready to lay down my nets. It all belongs to you. Okay, I, I did my job. I'm going to let God do his. You have no idea what hangs in the balance today. No idea. I want to give you an opportunity today to take the next step. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be talking about getting closer to God on a daily basis. But I don't want you to be confused by that. What God wants most from you is to follow. Would you choose to do that today? I'm going right back to that corner if you want to pray with me. If you'd like to make a decision for Jesus today, if there's anything I can do for you, I'd love to. I've been praying for you all day. I'm going right back there. I love you, and I love following Jesus with you. Would you stand with us and sing?